Hey there, everybody. Welcome to this bonus episode of the Higher Ed Geek Podcast, episode number 129 with Karin Raturi, who works with Upgrad, focusing on their North American market. Uh, so he shares his story, but also just the unique tendencies of Upgrad as the you know, global leader in digital education uh, in terms of really uh, networking uh, global populations of students and working across many different countries. Uh, a lot of the folks out there, uh, you know, the organizations currently in EdTech kind of just focus on their home countries and maybe eventually over time uh, expand globally. But uh, Upgrad is kind of going hard and fast in the uh, global expansion. It's really interesting to see and just uh, great to also hear the level of care and kind of student-centered perspective and kind of focus on collaboration and the human aspect of uh, the students and the programs that they support. So uh, really great work that they're doing. Uh, some great resources to check out as always and ways to connect with uh, Karin and Upgrad. Uh, so definitely do that. And as always, go check out our merch store and go support us on Patreon. Uh, they help keep the lights on and uh, just appreciate everyone checking those things out and supporting us there and uh, for listening uh, to the show. So uh, without further ado, this is episode number 129, a bonus episode with Karin Rituri. We are here. Uh, finally, for me, uh, it feels like a, a long time coming. I mean, we've had to uh, reschedule back and forth a little bit, but also like I've been seeing uh, Upgrad in the news and kind of the ed tech world for a while now. So it feels like a really uh, just great opportunity to uh, learn more about uh, the work that you and your team are doing and uh, just talk more about uh, digital education, which I'm always uh, happy to do. So uh, we will start out as we always do. If you want to introduce yourself and give a brief overview of your professional journey and how you got to be where you are today. I'm Karin uh, Raturi. I am the general manager for Upgrad in North America. Um, so generally leading our expansion strategy in the North American market. Um, largely, we've been based in India. I'm happy to talk a little bit about my professional journey. Um, you know, have my undergrad um, in biomedical engineering from Georgia Tech. Um, did nothing related to that. Went into the world of consulting and finance for a few years. Uh, then headed off to business school at, at Wharton and got my MBA there. Um, and uh, likewise, after Wharton, didn't go into sort of the um, the, the traditional MBA professions. Uh, joined our family business in Atlanta, where I'm currently based. Um, and uh, uh, ran that for a few years through Exit. I largely led the corporate development team, um, and uh, and subsequent to that, I joined Wayfair um, to lead their sort of Canadian expansion strategy, uh, specifically focused on um, supply chain and operations. Um, and uh, that's sort of where I really understood the e-commerce business, understanding the uh, the ways we efficiently acquire customers online. Um, and uh, how critical it is uh, to sort of uh, maintain uh, that side of the business and manage it closely, um, as well as how important it is to deliver on a, a customer promise, uh, which I think Wayfair does really, really well. Um, and a uh, slightly different world there because, you know, we're shipping large physical goods, whereas Upgrad is an entirely digital product. Uh, but there's a surprising amount of overlap, I find, um, in, in some, of the, some of the ways we think uh, about customer acquisition. Um, when I left uh, Wayfair uh, to join Upgrad, I left as the head of business planning um, and I came over to um, Upgrad, like I said, to grow uh, their North American footprint uh, and very excited to be here uh, and really uh, deliver on uh, the learning outcomes uh, that we are so focused uh, to bring to not only the South Asian customers that we've had historically um, and now expanded to uh, Europe, Middle East, Africa, Asia Pacific region. Uh, and now North America. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's what's been noteworthy to me is just seeing, I think, a really uh, truly global uh, sort of digital education uh, organizations working with universities and everything versus uh, often, you know, wherever any other uh, companies are based, they just kind of serve those uh, kind of more local uh, customers and everything, even though, you know, even like you know, any country like America, really, you know, <laughs> it can be obviously quite large and diverse in its own uh, right. But I've right. um, just been really impressed, I guess, yeah, with the kind of like global focus. So I guess just uh, for everyone's sake, though, uh, if you just want to take a moment to explain a bit about what Upgrad does uh, in kind of the greater higher ed space. Sure. Um, yeah. So uh, like you said, Upgrad is is uh, a higher ed company. It's in fact, South Asia's largest online higher education company. Uh, we specialize in certificate programs, um, executive programs, which are slightly longer. So a certificate program might be uh, two to four months, our executive programs, uh, slightly longer, six to nine months, um, as well as master's degrees. So um, all three of those together um, really target a working professional, uh, 25 to 45 is, you know, our sweet spot. Um, uh, but frankly, you know, we're in the business of lifelong learning. Um, and so we can continue to see folks younger and older joining our courses, um, as the demands of their uh, jobs or, or, or aspirations, uh, require them to invest in their education. Um, so we are an online higher education company. We've recently become one of the world's largest master's programs. We've actually graduated 8,500 master's students in the last nine months. Um, and so certainly uh, seeing scale in particularly the technology fields, but also in management, I'd say those are our two key domains where we, where we really thrive. Uh, programs like a master's in data science from Liverpool John Moores University is, is one of our top programs, uh, machine learning, artificial intelligence, and then our master's in management programs, our MBA programs. Um, like I said, I think we, you know, we started six years ago in, in India. Headquarters remain in Mumbai. Um, we saw that business uh, grow first couple of years, really refining the product, but since then scaled uh, substantially. Um, and uh, what we found, uh, Dustin, was that we had revenue coming in from 85 odd countries without um, marketing outside of India. Um, and I think that's largely attributed to sort of, you know, word of mouth uh folks having a really solid outcome, both from a learning outcome standpoint, but also career outcomes. Um, and so, you know, whether it was, whether it's sort of Africa, Caribbean, South America, we started to see some, some of the, the, the trickle revenue coming there from what folks were reading online and, and what we were able to deliver for them um, as education has become more and more uh, globally accessible, which is what we're really, really excited to continue to expand on. And in the North American market, it was actually our sort of our second largest international market um, after the Middle East. Um, and what we wanted to do is appoint leaders in each of the regions we felt we wanted to really take control of um, and deliver more and more exceptional learning outcomes, which is why I mentioned uh, Europe, Middle East, Africa taking, uh, take, being taken over by my colleague Saranjit and, and Zubin Gandavia, another colleague of mine who's CEO of um, Asia Pacific, uh, and myself in North America. So what we, what we basically decided is, look, we're seeing organic business uh, pop up uh, in these markets. Let's nurture that. Let's harness that. Let's deliver uh, localized learning outcomes and career outcomes, um, and and uh, and go global. Um, and this has been sort of in the last year. Uh, so that's been the evolution from six years ago to basically you know uh, 2021. Uh, we have a small but growing footprint in the U.S. Um, and if we talk about what 
differentiates us, right? There's a lot of online higher ed companies mm-hmm. um, doing a variety of things. And I, I really want to emphasize where Upgrad stands out. One is that there's an outcomes obsession. So we don't necessarily talk a lot about um, a, just the curriculum or just the, um, the the university partners. We instead talk about what our learners are able to accomplish as they graduate. Um, and that's really what we measure success by. Um, we have a lot of technology built into the platform. So we're, we collect over 100, 150,000 data points as a learner goes through the, the, the learning process. We're able to use that data to refine our coursework for future batches, but also to kind of predict where this individual student might thrive in a professional environment. So if they're struggling with certain types of coursework, we know they might not be a fit for, say, something that's heavy in a specific type of coding language that we've seen them struggle with. So we'll actually recommend career services and job opportunities that are customized or specialized to that individual. And then lastly, I'd say we've really been, you know, I'd say almost paranoid about offline versus online. And how do we recreate some of the shortcomings of offline or online uh, by bringing an offline um, experience to online? And and that's really a peer-to-peer learning experience. So we do a lot to gamify the peer-to-peer interaction so that learners are rewarded for answering questions or doubt resolution uh, for other folks in the program. So we try to make it as um, collaborative an experience as possible, uh, really bringing in elements of offline education to an online delivery model. Really fascinating stuff, because I think like for me, um, what was resonating with that is just like, it just feels very human centered, you know, like the idea of like, you know, for career services or something that could just kind of be like, well, yeah, there's just kind of general tips about job searching. And, you know, here's just a job board that has like everything under the sun or whatever, but like, you know, taking points uh, that can really contour that, uh, customize it, uh, tailor it to somebody. And then just like, I know, yeah, being in the space, like how crucial it is to know that like students are getting a good experience and would recommend it to others and that sort of thing. Uh, which again, it's like, yeah, even in global digital, you know, uh, education, uh, it still is, it comes down to just like, you know, you're going to ask your friends and colleagues and, uh, you know, folks like, well, you know, uh, what do you think of this? Like, what, what, what are your reviews? Like, what are, you know, uh, That's right. what are your thoughts about this? So, yeah, I mean, it's just so fascinating because I think so many people think that uh, digital education might be kind of impersonal or something, but uh, it can be, you know, deeply personal, kind of deeply human if you uh, design it that way. That's right. And and there's only one way to, to do that, and it's to be high, high touch, right? I think the, the, there's an element of, of um, the human experience that you can't replace using technology. And we don't shy away from that. Um, we're not here to say that, like, you know, we're doing everything asynchronous or no one's available via text uh, or phone. You know, we, we actually have an upgrad buddy system. That's why we have industry leading uh, graduation rates. Um, we, we make sure that if a student is facing challenges, and as you can imagine, in the last year, for example, in India, COVID's been a, a huge challenge. So, you know, uh, bringing a, a humanness uh, to the experience if folks need to uh, defer some coursework, you know, restart. We're not a platform that is, you know, it's a train and you're either on it or you're not. Um, you're really interacting with faculty, with industry experts and upgrad staff. 
to make sure that um, our promise to you and what, what was sold to you is is what you're experiencing along the way. Uh, if you give, uh, uh, for example, just a small example, if you give a, a, uh, one of our live sessions or, uh, and it gets an average rating of, of below 4.6, I think it is, we'll start to actually interact with that expert and, and talk about how to make it better. Um, and so we set a high bar uh, for delivery and, and what content we're surfacing and what the students are are providing feedback with um, and making sure we're continually getting better and better. So uh, making sure that even though we're a high tech company, that we are also a high touch company. Um, we've done that well in India and it is absolutely top of mind for me to deliver a similar, um, uh, if not better, uh, you know, set of offerings in, in the United States. Yeah. I mean, that's really great to hear. I, I kind of use that adage a lot of sort of like high tech and high touch, like, you know, you put those two kind of forces together and it's, uh, yeah, just getting some really powerful stuff, you know, like really, yeah. really great outcomes and just a great experience. And, uh, yeah. And then that's like kind of not resting on your laurels either. Like you're kind of, you know, keeping an eye on things too, which is, uh, yeah, just great to hear. So I guess, um, you know, you're kind of alluding to it. So I want to focus on a little bit more of just obviously like that expansion into the uh, international side of uh, your work of uh, in digital education. You know, you're based in India, but uh, you've now, like you said, over the past year, uh, started to reach out to a lot more uh, markets and everything. So I guess just from your point of view, and, you know, you, you can just kind of speak to your own experience, but like, what have you seen as some of the successes and challenges that you've learned from this effort? Because obviously, again, yeah, like the, you'd probably have to market differently or, you know, just kind of adjust to different cultural norms around education or something in all these different areas. So just, I'm curious, is anything that you might want to uh, share about that? You know, I mentioned uh, the the trickle of revenue that we saw that, you know, came in without marketing. And so it's very curious, right? The first thing you do um, when I was you know, asked to join the, the firm and, and take over uh, the U.S. business and the North American businesses, I had a bunch of calls with uh, folks that you know chose to sign up with Upgrad in the United States, while you know none of the delivery really was oriented towards them. Um, it was really oriented towards um, an Indian and maybe uh, some other parts of the global audience. Um, and so I, I spoke with them and, and understood you know what drove them to their their decision and. What you learn is is this outcomes focus that I was referencing earlier is what mattered to them. And as we've grown, um, you know, in, in the U.S. in the last couple of months, it's been a short time frame. But um, as we've expanded outside the community that originally sort of supported us, which were largely um, the Indian diaspora living in the United States, um, we're finding that students are very open to the global brands we're bringing to the table. So our partnership with Liverpool John Moores University or Triple IT Bangalore or some of the IITs, uh, premier institutions globally and uh, in Europe and in India, so on and so forth, um, because we're being able to take their coursework and scaffold it with our career services, with our high-touch sort of upgrad buddies and mentors, um, they are signing up without hesitation that this university is not, you know, the the one in their state or the one they're most familiar with, or um, the MITs of the world. So I'm I'm I'm, I'm uh, fascinated and uh, excited that outcomes-driven um, online education is resonating that deeply uh, without just an affiliation um, for what's uh, what's comfort or what's most sort of familiar. Um, that's on the student side. Um, on the university side, I'd like to just mention that we're being able to you know, open doors at universities, talk to them about 
democratizing their sort of or, or increasing access, I, I should say, to to mm-hmm. some of their flagship programs to qualified students all over the world. Um, and they're excited by that. So when a university comes and partners with Upgrad, what they're able to do with basically a single, um, you know, a, a single partner is to reach students in 85 countries that can now learn from from their faculty, um, you know, enroll for them. And it's not just about, you know, an additional revenue stream, but it's finding exceptional academically qualified students around the world that are interested um, in their education um, and their curriculum um, and having them all on board um, simultaneously. And so we're creating this, these incredible global cohorts um, where, you know, folks from, you know, tens of different countries are interacting, solving problems together all online while being coached by, you know, faculty and industry experts from a, a third location. Um, and I just, I, I see that as a, as an incredible impact that we're making um, without, you know, paying much attention to to barriers and borders. Yeah. And I mean, I think it it just, you know, there's, you know, the partners that you're working with and things that are just, I guess, being more liberal or kind of open-minded with their uh, sort of mission and idea of like accessibility because, you know, uh, a long distinguisher of like, you know, uh, certain institutions is like their selectivity and everything. But, you know, yeah. it's like, well, I mean, do you want to just like serve the people in your town or do you want to like, you know, kind of broaden the idea of what it means to be of service and, you know, help people and be able to have that broader impact. And it's just, you know, increasingly, I think, you know, more uh, institutions obviously seem to be uh, kind of waking up to that and uh, kind of living out their values in that way of being able to reach people all across the world. So that's right, Dustin. And I and I, and I would add that I don't think selectivity and um, access have to necessarily butt heads. You know, I think there are ways, there are strategies that institutions can develop that allow um, uh, no sort of prestige erosion. Um, you know, for certain programs, um, certain schools. Uh, while um, their faculty and the actual knowledge base um, can still be shared globally, um, and I just I, I I truly believe there's a collaborative model where that where that can coexist. Yeah, well, that's a very good yeah. point as well because <laughs> I think yeah, like uh, not telling someone it's like, hey, you're wrong for like wanting to yeah. be you know a distinctive or something. It's like yeah. let's let's like evolve and sort of mature or sort of you know. Uh, embody whatever that value is like where is that coming from let's like honor that and that's right uh, sort of sort of manifest it um you know these digital spaces because yeah i mean clearly you know there's obviously a lot of uh, institutions that have students from all over the world that you know have to come to campus uh, wherever they are and the idea of i'm sure it's easier for them to maybe kind of just click in um you know to uh you know do the same kind of work uh, but digitally so that's right um, yeah, I mean, there's if, uh, certainly a spectrum there. Yeah, yeah if, if I just add a quick data point to that, if you look at the top sort of three reasons, international students, um, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm the GM for North America, but I do want to make this point about international. Um, the top three reasons international learners um, aren't able to attend higher ed institutions in the U.S. The top one is, is tuition. Uh, the second is visa and immigration concerns. And the third one, um, is cost of living, right? So when you combine those three, that's about three quarters of the reasons um, international students can't, you know, can't or won't um, attend higher ed institutions in the U.S. And if you think about a pro- platform like Upgrad, we're addressing um, that that entire set of, of um, hurdles uh, by by bringing uh, that that 
on offline kind of experience through our products and services uh, to a global audience. So just wanted to to reemphasize that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, I guess you know, just speaking about obviously the, the focus on international expansion for you all, but um, also last year was bringing a lot of disruptive change as well for for institutions for everybody. Um, so anything that you can reflect on of. Uh, you know, the disruptions of the past year and what that's taught you about kind of the digital education space? You know, first and foremost, I think uh, I'd say that the digital education infrastructure proved to be ready to save the day. Um, I think I was surprised by the velocity um, at which we were able to transition online. I think we saw it in our professional lives with um, maybe Zoom and Google Meet. And um, I don't know if either uh, of the one product and one entire company, so Google Meet being the product and Zoom being the entire company, realized uh, or would ever expect such an influx of traffic on their platforms. Um, But clearly they were ready um, and available. And I think the technology infrastructure also proved itself that it was largely in place to handle this transition. And all that we needed was sort of an impetus to make that transition. Uh, you know, obviously it is and it was and is still in some parts of the world a pretty terrible situation. So uh, certainly wouldn't uh, put a, a positive light on it. But from an industry perspective, uh, the COVID pandemic for ad tech was a moment of truth. Um, and it posed the question, are we you know, ready to go deep in digital um, and virtual? Uh, I think it was a resounding yes uh, from an infrastructure standpoint. And so it really brought the industry, it accelerated sort of um, the transition to online. And then I think it frankly expanded uh, the addressable market size significantly. uh, Because if you talk to students uh, now, uh, their consideration about being in class and the way they think about offline versus online has permanently transformed. Not for everyone, but for enough to where we can say that the market has permanently shifted, that online is now. Um, an embedded part of the experience, so much so that you know, majority see the future as hybrid, uh, if not significantly more online. So hybrid, I think, will be the future. There will be elements that will be irreplaceable, um, you know, but I think a vast majority of the delivery can can occur online. And for young professionals and and working professionals in general, um, online is actually going to, I think, be the way forward. Um, I think the other thing that, uh, the, 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 the last year kind of shaped, um, is to follow up sort of that, that point I just made is that, you know, offline isn't the end all be all for education. Um, it, we saw that online is not just feasible, but it's convenient, flexible, and a preferable way to learn. Folks were able to sort of spend more time with families, kids, uh, and take care of, uh, you know, so many of others, other, uh, parts of sort of life's administrative and, and obligation duties, uh, that I, I think it's going to be an irreversible preference, uh, for many. Uh, and so I just want to sort of add that to the back of, of what I said earlier. Yeah, I mean that's I I agree. I mean I think that that's absolutely the future is definitely more of that hybrid and yeah the idea that digital education is here to stay if there's any doubts uh, yeah it's uh, I would think most of them have kind of been abated by, by this point but um, yeah because I mean so many more people were exposed to it uh, you know again under sort of unfortunate circumstances and forced into it uh, but that it creates you know just sort of a more acceptance and normalcy and just sort of you know uh having at least so much built out now it'd be hard to kind of just take all of that away and 
students and uh, you know you know students will demand the courses, but certainly now I've been uh, you know trying to keep an ear out and an eye out for. Um, just the fact that like staff and faculty are also going to be like, Hey, well, it'd be great to be able to like work from home, you know, a couple of days a week or during like, you know, holiday breaks. It's like, well, why do we have to be on campus? The students aren't here, you know, like they're just like, you know, it's like, Hey, we, we showed that we were able to do it before. So like, we should be able to do it more now, you know, and, um, yeah, just keep the business of these institutions running and being more flexible and hybrid and all those sort of things. So, um, yeah, I mean, I just really like the ways that you put that. Um, and yeah, I think the, the future is, uh, uh, very bright. And we're seeing it too. I think, um, you know, so many more good examples of how to do it uh, well, like how to do digital education well in terms of just, you know, course uh, structure and delivery and support resources and, you know, engagement through like events and stuff. And um, it just excites me because I think there was definitely a lot, uh, you know, a decent, a decent bit, at least, you know, of kind of expertise and experience out there with this sort of stuff. But now it's just so much more uh, prevalent. So I think it, it uh, allows for a lot more, um, creative ideas to do this work and for people to collaborate more and have that shared experience and uh, kind of work together on that to just keep, keep making it better. So yeah, couldn't agree more. Yeah. Um, well, uh, we always like to uh, talk through like some resources to share, whether the things uh, from your uh, organization or just other stuff that's catching your attention, you know, books, articles, podcasts, uh, all that kind of good stuff. So um, anything that you would like to mention uh, that we could put in the show notes. You mean besides the the higher ed geek podcast, um, <laughs> right? In addition, of course, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, uh, one thing I wanted to—I think we all, you know, a, a lot of folks in the industry are reading a, a lot of similar things, whether it's Inside Higher Ed or Ed Surge um, um, and Hall and IQ, other 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 resources that we all kind of follow. Um, one thing that I've found that's that's been cool to to dive into has been Clubhouse. Um, and the, uh, the two kind of groups that I, I follow there and tune in from time to time, one's called the EdTech Collective, uh, the other is the EdTech Founders Club. Um, and both, I think, have been um, very interesting resources as we hear about businesses scaling, uh, the challenges they face, um, you know, and really collaborating uh, and, and talking through ideas on an, an interactive platform. So um, I, I'd, I'd, I'd certainly encourage folks to take a look there. There's a lot of different groups. These are just two that um, I found interesting. Uh, they have sort of weekly or, or more frequent, um, you know, interactions that you can um, kind of have live uh, dynamic conversations within. So would certainly, you know, su suggest that. The other for those who aren't, um, you know, deeply on the business side of things but are curious um, is, is as some of these ed tech firms start to, um, apply for public filings and then start to sort of be, be traded. Uh, they, they release public financial statements. Um, I think to use was probably one of the first ones. Um, and so would certainly recommend anyone kind of studying a business to, um, to look at, you know, uh, 10Qs, 10K, so a quarterly and annual filings of these companies reveal a ton about the state of affairs. So would would certainly encourage that as well. Uh, just two two thoughts around you know different uh, sources of information than the uh, traditional you know newsletters and such. Right, right. Um, yeah, I mean, all good stuff. And I think uh, yeah, I know there's a lot of uh, chatter around because uh, yeah, to you being I think a pretty seminal one. Uh, for this sort of current era of uh, digital education. But then uh, Coursera, more recently, um, there's a lot of chatter uh, That's right. around that one as well. Just sort of like, you know, how, how are these companies sort of spending uh, their dollars? You know, what, what's gaining more tr traction or not? And that sort of thing. So 
Um, yeah, I mean, uh, not probably what most people think of as like engaging, uh, relevant <laughs> reading, but, uh, definitely some real, like, cause that's just literally like the reality, like certain people are going right. to, you know, maybe talk a big game about, uh, one thing or another, but, uh, you know, proofs in the kind of the pudding there, but, um, so yeah, we'll link out to all that and ways to connect with you and, uh, upgrad, but, um, yeah, we always like to kind of close out though, give you the opportunity for any uh, final thought or call to action on this topic that you'd like to wrap up the episode with. Um, yeah, you know, I, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll plug Upgrad. So, you know, definitely check us out um, at Upgrad.com. Uh, we're, we're excited to be uh, expanding uh, quickly in the U.S. Um, you know, some some things top of mind for me that we're uh, starting to to uh, look at is uh, this this idea of augmented reality and immersive education, really bringing global access to to Western education. So I want to, you know, um, have uh, anyone listening to think about what that means for the future of universities, like you mentioned, some of the top names, and what is what is uh, how do we balance selectivity um, and accessibility? Um, and I'm thrilled by what I'm seeing in the marketplace as I speak with universities. Um, and, um, and, and the thought of global cohorts, I think that's, um, fascinating that you would take a, a course, uh, at an American university and side by side with you are, you know, uh, classmates and peers, you're working on a pro group project, uh, with someone from, you know, potentially five or six other countries. And, and I want to leave that as a thought, uh, as an exciting kind of, uh, where things are headed. Um, and how we can all sort of embrace that um, in in our classrooms. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think yeah, two interesting points. I mean, just to conclude on, emphasize, and uh, yeah, just I mean, frankly, I agree with you. But like the yeah, idea of like a lot of what's happened, I think, is kind of like just the beginning of just like right. yeah, you know, like building out like you know, good, smart courses uh, with you know, engaging videos and uh, different things like that. But then the idea of like, okay, well then how about we start building on that with something? Yeah. Like augmented reality or uh, whatever. And then uh, to end it again, just the idea of like, you know, kind of being human where it's just like, okay, we've got all these amazing people who are pursuing uh, their education together. Like how can we really more intentionally bring them together uh, for, you know, those like working groups or even like, um, you know, I've seen, uh, you know, immersions uh, that could happen anywhere yes. in the world be like just, you know, amazingly uh, impactful for students. So like leaning into that and doing, uh, you know, uh, really smart things with that as well of saying like, no, this is like a big priority for us of like bringing these peer students together uh, to learn together, whether it's, you know, online or in person. But, you know, again, the, the hybrid idea of like, what's the best of both worlds that we could do to make, you know, ultimately the best uh, learning experience. Absolutely. I agree with you, Dustin. Well, I feel like we covered so much great stuff. And like I said, I mean, I've been seeing so much uh, uh, awesome news kind of coming out from Upgrad lately and uh, very yeah. grateful that we got the the opportunity to chat here and just learn more about it and learn more about your background as well. So uh, again, we'll have ways to connect with you and Upgrad uh, and everything that we mentioned in the show notes as usual. Uh, but just thank you again so much for, for taking the time to hang out for the episode. It's my pleasure, Dustin. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode of the Higher Ed Geek Podcast.